0: To uh, talk to you out of Luke chapter four and verse fourteen. Luke chapter four and verse fourteen, starting in verse fourteen, and it says there. Then Jesus returned, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of Him went throughout all of the surrounding region and taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. It was even custom then to go to church (laughs) for Jesus. It ought to be our custom too. And he stood and read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who were oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Father, I thank you for our time together today. I thank you for your sweet presence in our worship today. I thank you for our worship team, and pray that you refill them as they give out to us and lead us into your presence. I pray that you would bless them in their private worship with you. We ask you, Lord, for our moments together here today to be most effective. Let us find strength, life, and hope in your eternal word. And we give you praise and thanks for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today. This morning, is uh, well, I will be preaching just a little bit different than perhaps I normally do. That is not a way of... of saying I'm sorry for it. I'm just telling you. It's going to be a little different. All right. And so today I've entitled this message, This is My Story. This is my story. This isn't someone else's story. This is my story. And I'm going to share with you today so that you may better understand where that I come from I was understand that everyone wasn't raised in a church like I was raised in people today we're living in a different society and to be quite honest with you I find myself sometimes getting frustrated at folks not understanding that they don't understand where I come from Does that make sense And uh, so, I'm just going to tell you where I come from. I'm going to tell you my story. I was raised up in a Pentecostal church. I was raised around Holy Ghost people. Some of the things we did, there wasn't. Nobody understood it but us. Amen. (laughs) Amen. But one thing that it did do is it put faith in me. It taught me how to believe God for anything. I grew up in a church where if the Holy Spirit was on you and you didn't have enough sense to respond to the altar service, somebody would come and get your hide and take you to the altar. amen because they'd say don't you have enough sense to know holy spirit's on you he's talking to you you need to respond to this word right here i told you i was i'm pentecostal it was good it was good because i saw miracles i heard people pray in tongues I've seen people get free from demons. It wasn't unusual to see people, demonic people set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a common thing. It was a natural thing because whenever the demonic met the Holy Spirit, something had to give. And it never was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it taught me things don't have to be done well for God to move. Amen. The Pentecostal Church that I grew up in, it was God-centered. Everything we did was centered around the church. Our calendar was scheduled around the church. <clears throat> you didn't schedule nothing on Sunday. That was God's day. Amen. You didn't plan nothing because that day belonged to God. Even businesses had enough sense not to open up because they'd go broke on Sunday. The Pentecostal church that I grew up in taught me to keep Sunday for God because everything that I did on Sunday was going to affect everything else in my life. What I did on Sunday would affect what happened to me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It belonged to God. The church I grew up in affected what we wore. Or should I say, wear? Is that more proper? (laughs) But you understand. It affected what you wear, right? You didn't just go out half naked. I see folks at the mall, and I think to myself, they sure enough need to buy themselves a mirror as they ain't looked in that thing before they come out here come on somebody and not only what we wore but it determined where we could go it taught us even what music we would listen to it even affected who we hung out with huh You couldn't just run with anybody because they would quote that scripture that when you run with fools, you'll become a fool. It's in Proverbs. Amen. We were raised with a Bible in one hand and a belt in the other. They had prayed God into you and beat the devil out of you. (laughs) No witnesses here we had some exciting services. We had, we had some exciting services. We, we had some people, uh, mostly they were ladies. We had some ladies that they were what I called the early warning system. <clears throat> that meant that the Holy Spirit hadn't showed up where everybody was aware he was there yet. But they were in tune and they knew he was on the way. And they'd just let everyone else know with a, whoo, that you better get ready, because he's coming. Amen. There are times whenever those services would get long, and I'd lay up under the, the, the uh, pew. You didn't dare lay out on the pew, because something might happen to you, but you'd get up under the pew, and you'd be all right. But if I heard that alarm go off, I got up and got high attention because I knew something was about to happen in that place. Amen. I'm sharing this because I've been made aware that everyone hasn't been raised like I was in a Pentecostal background. And secondly, I'm sharing this today because I want to give God praise for my Pentecostal heritage. That I thank God. That I experienced what I experienced, so that when we live in times like these, we will know that this is not what God intended for his church or the kingdom of God in these last days. Amen. I want to thank God that that there was something put inside of me, that I grew up in a family that, that taught me that you could believe God for anything amen and you know there were times whenever we 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 never missed church i mean i'm not talking about we 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 did we made it most of the time i'm talking about we never missed church and it really didn't affect me you know we'd have sunday morning we'd have sunday night and we'd have wednesday night and then we'd have uh thursday or friday night prayer and then uh you know, at least three or four times a year, we'd have a revival that would be two or three weeks long. Amen. And we never missed church, and, and it really didn't bother me a whole lot except on, on Super Bowl Sunday. I would want to see the Super Bowl, and, and we don't, they didn't do like we do now, where you have a Super Bowl party. You went to church. And... You know, it didn't matter what happened on Super Bowl Sunday. It was always, it never failed, never failed. Holy Ghost breakout. Get home in time to hear on the news. (laughs) Who's won the game? I thought about pretending I was sick, but I knew better than that. Because when you got sick in our house, they'd get a hold of you and start praying for you. Might even put some oil on your head, and they had prayed to on you until, Amen. Until, and so you didn't dare pretend that you were sick because you knew what was going to happen. You know, I believe in doing everything with excellence. You, you know that. I, I believe in doing everything with excellence. But I've learned that things don't have to be done well for God to move. Because I've seen God move in the middle of not good. Amen. Some of the preachers that didn't believe in writing notes down. They said that isn't of God, that's, that's, that's preparing ahead of time and it, that, that'll hinder the move of the Spirit. And then singers didn't practice, they just get up and let God use you. Huh? And I remember several times whenever they would call for someone and they'd say, no, I don't have a song tonight. Come on, Sister Jones, you know you got a song tonight. No, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, come on. I I believe the Lord will use you if you just come. So Sister Jones gets up and she tries to sing and ain't got it together and then wants to blame the devil for it. I'm just telling you my story. Just get up and let God use you. Don't have to study, you don't have to prepare, you don't have to write, write no notes, and, 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 and I understand what they were saying, but as a, a consequence of that, it didn't seem like that, that I knew those ones that didn't have no notes, I knew those ones that didn't prepare, because it didn't matter where they read in the Bible, they preached the same message, it was the same, they could be in Genesis or Revelations or somewhere in between, but it was the same message, because they had not prepared ahead of time. Amen. But when you came to church, they, they didn't practice. They didn't believe in having practices. They didn't believe in getting ready. They just get up there and do something. But when we came to church, we sang. We sang. I mean, it wasn't no 20-minute thing. It was sometimes a two-hour thing. And, and we'd sing violent songs. Amen. We'd sing "Violence." song. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier. Amen. We'd sing keep on the firing line. If you're going to win, you got to fight. Keep on the firing line. We'd sing a lot about fire. It's the Holy Ghost and fire and it's keeping me alive. Then there's that song. There's something about the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I got it. I didn't tell you it was all theological sound. I just told you we sung a lot about it. And I learned in the midst of people not doing good. It didn't bother God. I'm not glorifying that. I'm telling you that because I got saved in that little church. Where I heard those same songs. Where I heard that same messages. With the same people. A thousand times. But one night I felt something come over me. I began to weep. And even Even though I had never felt it, I knew what it was. Because I heard the saints talk about about it. And I come to realize that what had overcome me was God had found me where I was. And I felt his presence as it overwhelmed my soul. And I knew that it was time to get right with God. That was the first time. But thank God it was not the last time. God's presence became very familiar to me. It became a way of life. I don't know how people live. In this world, I was talking to a man just this week and I told him, if you think you can live a Christian life and not have a prayer life, you're fooling yourself. Not in this world, not in this time. It doesn't happen. But I've become familiar with the presence of God. We had finished plowing or plowing the fields and. In that time, we had a two-row corn planter and we had already planted the fields and that corn planter was sitting back behind the barn. And I was about 12 years old and I was over there by myself sitting on that corn uh, planter just singing a song unto the Lord. And I felt His presence that came over my life and overwhelmed me that day. And I didn't hear anything verbally, but I knew in my spirit that the only thing I could do with my life was preach the gospel. Because that day, God called me at 12 years old to preach his gospel. In that old church, you didn't do anything unless you were called to. Amen. Amen. How do you know you're called? Most of the time, your skill set will reveal your call. It's not super duper. The skill set that God gives you will reveal what you are supposed to do with your life. Amen. Those old church folks, they were nosy. Amen. Whenever you would get saved, they'd come right up to you and ask you, Have you received the Holy Ghost yet? I'm thinking I just got saved Sunday. Give me a break. Give me a little time here. No, no. That was a good first step. But if you're really going to live for the Lord, then you need to receive the precious gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And they, they just, they wouldn't let up on it. They'd say, that's good. But now you need the Holy Spirit in your life. They didn't, they didn't care to tell them that, you know, that, that well, you know what? I, I, I just really don't think I need that yet. You didn't tell the old saints that. You didn't tell them, I don't think I'm ready for it or I don't desire that. Because whenever you would say something like that, they would respond by, haven't you been praying? Haven't you been reading the word of God? Isn't there any hunger in God? Your- Have you read the book of Acts? Amen. Because they understood that salvation was going to get you to heaven. But if you was going to live in this world, you needed the Holy Spirit. Amen. (coughs) Somebody asked me, they said, do I need the Holy Spirit to to go to heaven? I said, my God, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Amen. Amen. And they would ask you, have you received the Holy Spirit? Every Sunday night, every Sunday night, the altar service would be like this. There would be about three calls. (coughs) There would be a call for salvation. If there's anyone here today who has not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and they would tell you about heaven, and they would tell you about hell, and you was probably going to get hit by a train on the way out, and you needed to get saved tonight. Amen? Amen? And then after the altar call for salvation, they would say, is there anyone sick here tonight? If you are sick in your body, I want you to come. We're going to pray the prayer of faith and we're going to believe God to heal your body. And then the last call of the night would be this. If you have not yet received, have not yet received because they expected you to receive. If you have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we want you to come. And then they would follow that up with, and if you have not been praying in the Spirit lately, and you need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to come tonight. Amen. Because it was important. It was important that you understand That you need the Holy Spirit in your life to empower you. Amen. I've told you many times the greatest gift that God ever gave the world was Jesus Christ. Salvation. But the greatest gift he ever gave the church was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it made this shy backward introvert boy bold. Amen. It made a boy that I would take an F in school before I would get up and give an oral report. Just give me an F. Because I am not going to do it. Amen. To God calling me to preach the gospel and stand up before people and tell him how good he is. I'd have never been able to do it without the Holy Spirit. But he put a boldness inside of me. He put strength inside of me. That I would go to school and, and, and tell the, the kids at school. I would go and preach weekend meetings. And I, I would stand and declare the word of the Lord. Amen. And it made me believe when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It made me believe that I could preach the word of God and see it manifest. That I could lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. That I could cast out devils in the name of Jesus. So I did. So I did. But there, there and I'm thankful for all of that. But there was a desire on the inside of me. There was something inside of me. I don't know what it was that triggered it or what made it go off. But there was something inside of me that says this is all good. But I need to learn the word of God more. I need to know his word. Amen. And so whenever I got out of school, I started preaching when I was 15. I got out of school and, and I went to Bible college. And when I got to Bible college, they, 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 they said they were nice to me. They said uh, after a little bit, they said, you, you can stay for the first semester. But then after that, you're going to go have to go home. They gave me two reasons. They said, because um, that you can't read fast enough and done um, that there to keep up with all that. And then you're too fat. Gotta lose weight true and I'll not discuss with you what college that was but I'll just tell you a lot of you listen to him every day and uh, but anyways hallelujah not mad at nobody just loving Jesus amen I came home from I I told him I said I ain't gonna eat your rice and your food I'm gonna go home today I loaded up everything in my yellow Chevy truck and I came home and I I got me a Dake Bible I got me a Matthew Henry commentary and I went in my room and I studied to the early hours of the morning and I filled myself full with the word of God. I'd take every class I could get. I would go to every training that was ever uh, that was given that I could find Amen. and later on uh, God gave us the opportunity and Renee and I after I was married to uh, finish and get my degree from Christian Life School of Theology. Amen. Because I found out that the Pentecostal movement wasn't, and the power of God wasn't because people were ignorant, but that God could use us, the power of God, even in a greater way as we knew him in greater dimensions. And so there was a hunger inside of my life. And the Pentecostal movement is so impactful into the culture of the 1900s. Until Pentecostal revival is noted by historians, not by the church, but by historians of being one of the major impacts that shaped the culture of that generation. History will tell you that. You can find it. The Pentecostal movement became so big. It became so large until by the time that the healing revival, the healing movement of of uh, You know, well, T.L. Osborne, Smith Wigglesworth, um, we had, um, um, yeah, Oral Roberts, we had T.L. Lowry. It became so large, Pentecost became so large by the time that healing revival came that there was no building anywhere in America that could hold the crowds. Nowhere. So what did they do? They began to build large tents that would hold 10, 15,000 people. They would have outside crusades where they would be able to hold the people, where the people could come and hear the gospel message. Amen. So we see, but what hindered the spirit-filled movement was not the spirit. It was the structure. Amen. What hindered the spirit was the movement of Pentecost was not the spirit. It was the structure or the lack of structure. So then we come into the 80s and people came and added structure to the movement. And they took what they had learned in corporate America and applied it to the church. Which gave us the church growth movement. The church growth movement. We needed the structure. But we also needed the power. But we came into the 80s and we sacrificed the power for the structure. And now it has brought us into this generation and into this culture That has developed what I call light church movement. Where the goal seems to be how fast can you get them in and out of the church. I get suspicious about people when they brag on how quick they can have church. Brag on how short their services are. It, it concerns me that we have come to a place where that we have got so talented and so smart until we don't need presence anymore. So now church has become a hobby. A social club. I'm not mad at anyone. I'm just telling you my story. Amen. Amen. There are pulpits all over this country that are filled with people that have not been called to preach the gospel. They have made it into a profession, an occupation. But I want to tell you today, just because you have a big personality and a lot of charisma does not mean you've been called to preach the gospel. And I am totally convinced, I am totally convinced in the normal church in America that you no longer have to be called nor anointed to be a pastor You just have to have a lot of charisma and know how to work with people. And they don't believe the Bible. Statistics tell us they don't believe the word of God. They don't even believe that Jesus really is the son of God. And as a result of this, they don't pray in the spirit and they cannot cast out a devil. Amen. They've turned our churches into orphanages where there is no longer any fatherly anointing in the house. And where correction cannot be made. But now the pendulum has swung and now we have to be cool. You have to wear skinny jeans. Listen to me. Someone over 300 pounds ought not be getting in skinny jeans. And I'll give you another hint. Just because you can get in it doesn't mean it fits. Glory to God. Come on. You have to be cool. You have to be cute. And now we have to make everyone feel good. Because we don't want anyone getting upset. About what the Holy Spirit said to do. But isn't it something? Isn't it something that the same time that the church become passive the devil become aggressive. Isn't it interesting at the same time that, that we begin to make a shift unto being concerned about the opinions of people and what people are thinking was the same time we, we gave up on the word, we gave up on what Holy Spirit wanted to do is the same time that the, the all of hell has been released upon our nation. now we just want people to come in and sit down and sit and watch someone sing and feel good sermon and let's all go home. And our goal is not making nobody mad. Instead of having the presence of God being our goal, instead of experiencing encountering God, instead of lives being changed, our our goal is let's not make nobody mad. Let me just share something with you. You being you is going to make somebody mad. Amen. You aren't going to make everyone happy. I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm talking about me. This is my story. Because God found me in a little dumb church, He saved me. He filled me with the Holy Ghost, and He put some fire down on the inside of me, Amen. That I believed that anything was possible with the Holy Spirit, Amen. I, I believed anything was possible with the Holy Spirit. I know that people I was raised up around, they were uneducated but then they needed some help. I know they didn't have structure and they needed some help, but I thank God for it because I realized in that place that God was real. The power of the Holy Spirit was real. And when he abides inside of you, you can destroy the yokes of the enemy. You can speak life and health and strength to those who are oppressed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives lives on the inside of you. Amen. I thank God I raised was raised up in a Pentecostal church where I learned call and response. Where I learned that when the preacher preached the truth, you said yes. Amen. You said amen. Every once in a while you'd hear somebody say, I'll take that. Huh? I'm glad I was raised up in a Pentecostal church that understood that you became a witness to the word. That's a biblical term, be a witness, if you needed some Bible for it. Be a witness to the word. That meant that whenever the pastor preached or whoever was preaching or if the song was singing that he he could all the name of Jesus is wonderful. He's all that we need. It was call and response. Somebody said yes to it. Someone said amen to it. It wasn't just about being hip. It wasn't about being emotional. It was about being a witness. That the unbeliever sitting in the room would know that what was just spoken, somebody believed it. Somebody was a witness, like a witness on a trial stand, huh? on the witness stand that said I believe that he is a savior he saved me I believe he is a deliverer because he delivered me out of sin he delivered me out of bondage He, he delivered me out of the yokes of oppression and depression and he brought me I'm a witness to the word of God that he will do exceedingly abundantly and above all And so that's the reason why there's times whenever I get frustrated whenever the word is going forth or when singing is taking place and, and, and you can hear a mouse tap dancing on cotton. Amen. Because I believe we've all been called to be a witness. Everybody hasn't been called to preach. Everyone hasn't been called to sing. Everyone hasn't been called to be a But everybody's been called to be a witness. If God has brought you out of sin and brought you into his glorious salvation, filled you with his Holy Spirit, then there ought to be a witness in your mouth. Amen. I told you all that because I feel deep in my spirit that the pendulum once again is beginning to swing back. And churches are going to recover. We're going to reset. We're going to restore. And we're going to revive. Amen. I said we're going to recover. We're going to reset. We're going to restore and we're going to revive. In this hour we're living in. Amen. Amen. If I did not believe what I'm I, honest to God, you don't know how honest I am with you today. But honest to God, if I didn't believe what I'm telling you today, I'd put this mic down and I'd be selling real estate tomorrow. Honest to God. But I believe what I'm telling you today. I believe the pendulum is shifting in our favor. I believe that there is a restoration that is going to take place in the house of God. There's going to be a reset on this thing and there's going to be a restoring of all things and revival is going to flow in our churches again. Amen. As good as God has been to us, as strong as he has been, as great as he has been to us, we shouldn't wear out the praise team trying to get us to praise. You should, The praise Preacher shouldn't be exhausted at the end of the service trying to get you to believe what is being preached. But as good as he's already been to us, there are all it ought to take is a, a plate, a key on the keyboard or a strum of the instrument to say, Yes, he's God all by himself. He's been good to me, and I'm gonna witness and testify of his goodness and his mighty power. You believe it? Give him a praise right here today. You might need to know that the same anointing that I experienced as a 12 year old boy is still in me today. I can reach deep down into my spirit and preach. To a bunch of dead people. Amen. Anybody can preach to 20,000 people. Anybody. If you've got any God in you at all. 20,000 people worshiping God. You can take the pulpit and tell them God is good. Anybody can do that. But I want to tell you, you got to be a good preacher to preach to three And two of them be asleep. I know because I've done it before. (laughs) Amen. This is what I want to leave with you today. I believe it because it's deep in my spirit. And I, I believe that. You can preach the word of God until something happens. I've been places where I've had to plow. I've been places where I have to reach deep down inside and, and, and preach not because of what I felt, not because of what was in the house, but because of what I knew in my spirit. And I'd preach my guts out until something happened. Amen. And I'll do it. But I should not have to do it in my own house. I ought to be able to preach here like nowhere else. Amen. I ought to be able to preach here because you know my heart. and You know the love of God that I have. And I know the love of God that you have. And we're family here. And we ought to be able to flow in this thing. Amen. Amen. This is what I want to leave with you today. I believe that this shift is coming. And the reason that I believe this shift is coming is because there is a generation that has been raised in the church that is missing the power of God. I'm not here to fight with anybody else and how they're doing church. I'm not here uh, to fight about how you're supposed to. I'm here telling you my story. Amen. Amen. And I just believe that there ought to be a church where the people that have never experienced the power of God can come into a church and, and the convicting power of God come upon their life. Amen. Used to be you didn't have to tell people what they were doing was wrong. The Holy Spirit would get on them. Amen. Amen. It's what we call conviction, not condemnation, but conviction. And it would convict them and they'd say, I have to give this up. They'd have to say, I'd have to, I, quit, I need to, I got to quit going there. I've got to quit doing this. Why? Because the conviction would come. I believe that there's a generation that has been raised up in the church that has never experienced that power. Can you imagine a generation that have sat in our churches and have never known the power of God? I sat across the table from a young lady. Her, her, her father pastor for many years. And, and she is a little younger than I am. But she was asking me about, about our services in Africa and doing different things. And she looked across the table at me and she said, I, I, I have never seen a miracle. Never seen a miracle. Got me to thinking. That's probably not strange in this generation. But it is a shame. It is a shame. And I'm not pointing the finger and saying it's a shame, shame, shame on you. I'm pointing the finger at me and saying it's a shame. that generations have grown up in Pentecostal churches and never experienced convicting power, never experienced a miracle. I can't tell you how many miracles I've seen before I ever got out of my mother and father's house, sitting on that right-hand side, right there, on Sunday night, Sunday morning, and I've seen blind eyes open. So, I believed that God could do it. I seen the tongue loosed where the, the dumb could talk and the blind could see and the deaf could hear. I seen the crippled get up and walk. So, all the days I was, what I'm telling you is, I was born in that fire. And so, all the days of my life, I believed God for the miraculous. I believe God for signs and wonders and miracles. I believe that when you pray, God does a thing. Amen. I want to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is wanting to come into our nation again. He is wanting to visit our churches again. He is wanting to infuse us with power again. The spirit of offense has been released over our nation until everybody is offended. Have you noticed? You can't do nothing. Look at a person and they're offended. Amen. You you tell them that they're not right with God and they're offended. Tell them you can't live that lifestyle and they get offended. You're a bigot. You're this. You're that. The spirit of offense has been released over our nation and it's been swirling over our country until everyone is offended and gone crazy. Amen. I'm telling you, there is, there, is a, there is a stupid spirit got on people. Amen. There ain't no way in the world that you can say it's normal for educated, uh, very uh, educated, knowledgeable people that we have in our country to be acting so dumb. That's not normal. It's a spirit. And while that spirit is raging over our country, we're sitting in our churches. Being satisfied with not hurting anyone's feelings. And the devil's running loose. Amen. Amen. The last few years, I don't know, the last few years, I don't want to put a number on it because I don't know, but I've noticed the last few years, our nation is in total chaos. Total chaos. There's no right, there's no wrong. There's no good, there's no evil. You Can't even be good to people. Be good to people and they'll, they'll say you're abusing them. You can't even stop along the road and help a lady fix her tire. Huh? Because they make, make some kind of accusations against you or they may be having somebody hiding over in the bush somewhere to beat you to death when you stop. I'm talking about chaos. Has come over our nation. And I wonder... If there's a church in our nation, I wonder if there's churches in our country where the preacher will preach strong enough to run the devil out of their minds. I wonder if there's a people that'll be so bold until they say, not here, devil. You remember the old saints when they'd say, not today, devil. Not in my house, devil. And they would rise up and the preacher would preach strong until conviction would come upon their hearts and transformation would come to their lives and it would change them for real. They wouldn't just come with sorrowful and remorse and cry a little bit and go back to the same vomit they came out of. But their life was changed and they'd have a testimony that what God, what I was in, I came out of. And goodness and mercy has found me. And I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory in my life. Wonder if there's anyone who would preach it strong enough until it'll set the captive free because i promise you this that preaching a little fluffy sermonette is not going to scare the devil and it's not going to set nobody free but we've got to have some churches raised up in our nation that's not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ or the power of the holy ghost because the power of the holy spirit will set the demonic free it'll set those who are captive deliver them in a moment and they set free the rest of their lives amen that's what we've got to have it's not something good to have it's what's going to save our nation I'm about done without done how long we've been preaching the spirit of the Lord is upon me The spirit of the Lord doesn't come upon you just for you to feel good. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. When his anointing comes on your life. Thank God for the lights. Thank God for the sounds. Thank God for the musicians. Thank God for the singers. But if you don't have a light and you don't have any sound and the singers can't sing, but you've got the anointing, the anointing will destroy the yoke and remove the burden and set the captive free. That this anointing is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. Listen to me. It don't matter how rich you are. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't have his Holy Spirit living in you, you are poor. You're poor. You can't help yourself. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You know why people are acting so crazy? It ain't all of them, but many of them, the reason they're acting the way they're acting because they're broken hearted. Gone. Done everything they've been told to do. Can't find any hope. Ran over here. They tried it with all the sexual perversion and the drugs and the addiction and they run from room to room and place to place and they're broken hearted because everything they knew to do, it hasn't worked. Jesus said, God's anointed me to heal the broken hearted. To put their hearts back together and give them hope. He said to proclaim liberty to the captive. Amen. 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 The heroin epidemic. Opium is taking over our nation. My sister just told me was up there this week celebrating Christmas with them. And people are dying in great proportions there in northeastern Ohio in such random uh, epidemic of opium that the morgues cannot even keep them and they're having to bring in freezers. These coolers, truck coolers, you know what I'm talking about. These semi-truck coolers, to bring them in and keep them. I don't care who's president. That's not going to fix it. I don't care who's in the, in, the, in, the, in the state office or who's running the political system or how good our economy gets. That's not going to fix it. We need some churches. We need some preachers. And we need some people that will be a witness that God can change your situation. That he can turn it around and he can set your captive soul free. Amen. But this is what I wanted to say to you. This is what I've been stuck on. And give recovery of sight to the blind. I believe as much as he was talking about in the natural. I believe even as much or more so. He was talking about in the spirit. He was talking to a church in the. 2018, he was talking to church folks who once knew what it was to experience the presence of God. Know what it was to walk in a daily presence with the Lord. Know what it was to see in the spirit. But in the hour we are in, we have become blind. No longer can see. Through spiritual eyes. No longer can see into the spirit realm. But God said, Jesus said in this day, he said, I'm coming to restore. You can't restore something you haven't ever had. You've got to have once had it for it to be restored. But he said, I'm going to restore sight to the blind. In this last day, God's not going to leave his church in the earth without his church being able to see. Not only is he going to restore sight, but he's going to restore hearing where we can hear his voice. He's not going to let us see and hear without being able to speak. But there's going to put a boldness inside of us called the Holy Ghost that will be bold as a lion. Amen. And he said, I'm going to set at liberty those who are oppressed. I'm just telling you my story. I believe the word of God is true. I believe what Jesus said he will do. I believe that in this last day, There will be a revival. There will be a resetting. There will be a renewing. But I also know that this is not it. This is not it. But in our time of prayer and fasting. In our time of calling on him and getting closer to him and getting our minds renewed with his word. I believe that God can set into motion something in us. I know I've told you before, we don't have a world platform, but we can, we have a regional platform. God has brought us to this place and we can make a difference here. Amen. We can make a difference here. We can make a difference in this valley. We can make a difference in this region. And again, I want you to hear me and I'm going to say it again because I know how people think. I'm not mad at nobody and I'm not throwing stones at how anybody else is doing it. I'm just telling you, this is me. This is me. Take it, leave it. Amen. I know I'm not called to everybody, but I'm called to somebody. Amen. And we can't do it without the power of the Holy Ghost. We can't do it without his power. We can't do it without his anointing. We're dealing with industrial strength demons. Your, your children, your grandchildren are dealing with things at an early age that you had never imagined you would deal with. Amen. I was talking to a counselor just a week before last. He told me, he said, Pastor, he said, you know, the age of addiction, of pornography, today, you know who they're targeting? No, sir. He said, eight to ten year olds. We need the power of God. We need the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Where has the passion gone for the things of God? Listen, if you'll come, maybe that'll help me. Can anybody tell me that? That's been on my mind. Where is the? I'm not talking about the unbeliever. I'm not talking about the the half baked Christian. I'm talking about the saints of God. Where has the passion gone for the things of God? When people would come and worship freely and with liberty, say, "I'm here to worship God. I, I need." Where the people would lean in on the word. I try to. I try to. And I'm. I'm I really. am trying to quit. But I've tried to be. And and and. I've tried to be. Understanding that we live in a busy world. I have. As your pastor in these last 10 years, I've tried to be aware that people are busy and that we need to make every moment count that we come together. But I thought about it this week as I've been thinking over this message today, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? We gave up Sunday night so more people would be able to come and we'd have an extended service on Sunday morning. And people still won't even come on Sunday morning. We try to have a little something on Wednesday night to get people discipled because if you believe it or not you've got to be discipled it don't matter what you call it if you call it Sunday school if you call it life group if you whenever you do it you've got to have discipleship so we let up on that and nobody even come out on Wednesday night and I found out the more that we give up the more people take but they never give more to focusing in on this you can't make nobody do anything that don't want to do but my prayer is going to be that God will put a hunger inside of you my prayer is going to be for you and for your family that there will be a passion inside of you that when the house of God is there that there will be a hunger in you to say I must go into the house of the Lord I've got to have more of him facing difficult situations, I'm facing hardships in my life, I'm facing things, and I need more of God in my life. So stand with me today. you'll respond I don't know even I just felt like I needed to share my heart with you today if you're here today you just want to say yes to the word you want to respond to the word you want to say God I want more of you I want more of your presence maybe there's areas your life that you're still bound in or you're frustrated in and you just want to give that over to God today say Lord here it is I give it to you on this first day of prayer and fasting that we would say we commit ourselves afresh and anew to your lordship God we surrender all our wills our way our wants and our desires to you and we want you to be real in my life I want you to be real in my life